Hey, this is Taylor and welcome back to another message from Elevate Retake. Today's message comes from our new sermon series, Immersed, and it is spoken by Pastor Michael Gibson. The title of this message is A Voice in the Wilderness. A key text we will be taking a look at is found in Matthew 3 verse 11 and it reads, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Your engaged question to ponder while you listen to this message is what is holding you back from turning your life around? God, here we are. We're in a renovated space. It smells new. It smells nice. But God, I pray more importantly than just being in a renovated space today that our hearts would take on a similar transformation that this space has over the past couple weeks. God, it's gonna, it's gonna be a little bit nasty. It's gonna be a little bit dirty. We're gonna pull some things up and realize that there's been some stains that have been deep in the carpet of our hearts that need to be removed and to be replaced. So God, we place our hearts in your hands. Do with us what you will. God, I pray especially today that this space and time would become holy ground that we would be able to meet you here, to come close to you, and to walk with you. As we immerse ourselves in Scripture today, may your Holy Spirit give us the words we need to hear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you got your Bibles, amen. I love it. I love it. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 3, and we're only going to be in Matthew chapter 3 today. There's no flipping back and forth. There's no going to hear this. We're going to be immersing ourselves. Are you catching a theme this morning? We're going to be immersing ourselves in Matthew chapter 3. What's holding you back from turning your life around? We're introduced to someone in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. If you've got it in your Bibles, fantastic. We'll also have it on the screens for you. I'll be reading from the uh, New Living Translation. It goes like this. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. We've got to pause right there because we have to unpack this verse. There's a lot of details in here as we get to know who this guy is who's named John the Baptist. Elsewhere in scripture, we come to find out that he's Jesus' cousin. Uh, he could be termed uh, John the baptizer or John the one who baptizes. John who immerses people in water and he's coming to the Judean wilderness and begins to preach. What an incredible mission statement, right? John the Baptist knows exactly his purpose in life, to go to the Judean wilderness and to begin preaching, and he makes no excuses about it. He's got purpose and intention. He's being led by God, and we'll get to his message in a moment, but I want you to think for a moment, to what are you called to witness or to preach about? And in what context have you been called as well? For John, it was in the middle of the wilderness. It was a place set aside where he began to articulate the gospel so that people might have their lives changed. What wilderness is God calling you to? And what message is he calling you to preach so that lives will be changed? We learn from the life of John, and we'll see here in a few moments, that divided obedience prospers not. 
cannot serve two masters. We've got to be on purpose with intention, living our lives according to God's calling. And if we're not, we're just simply not. And here's John's message. His message was this, chapter or verse 2 of Matthew chapter 3. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. John's message here is one of eschatological importance. He's talking big words here. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's talking about something coming that's beyond our imagination. This kingdom of God runs through Scripture and we come to know that God in the person of Jesus comes to this earth to establish a different way to live a different civilization or a kingdom that says this is so much more beyond your wildest imaginations. And don't get John wrong here. These aren't just some flippant words. It's like, oh yeah, cool. God's setting up a little party. We're going to have a little, like, no. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in the time that he lived, these words had religious and political implications. It caught the ears of the reigning kings at the time and of the religious leaders to say, "Mm -mm, something is going on here. Romans were occupying the Jewish territory. There was tension. The Jews and the Romans were on edge to snuff out any threat to peace and tranquility. And John speaks of another kingdom that's soon to come. And the only way to access that kingdom is to turn your life around, to repent, to do a 180, and to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. Matthew continues on, Matthew chapter 3, verse 3 connects us to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's purpose and intention in life was to make the path clear for Jesus to come so that people could receive him. I think that's a wonderful calling. And I think one, a calling that God puts on our lives as well. That we take down any barrier that stands in the way of people accessing Jesus. That we clear the roads so that the people sitting next to us can see and experience God in new ways. Matthew begins weaving echoes of prophecy into his gospel. He was wanting us to know the significance. And he hearkens back to Isaiah, who's one of the most prolific writers about this guy called the Messiah. The one come to save this voice in the wilderness. Sometimes it takes a voice coming out of the wilderness or the abyss, someplace that we wouldn't imagine to help us understand what God would do in our lives. And, you know, so far we've painted this caricature of John who's, wow, he's kind of this inspiring guy, but I hate to break it to you, but he he was a little weird. Have you ever met? Someone that's, that's kind of weird? Don't look at your neighbor. That's not nice. That's not nice. Come on. Here, here's John in, 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 verse, in verse 3. A little description of him. John's clothes were woven with coarse camel hair, and he wore a, a leather belt around his waist. And for food, he ate locusts and wild honey. Now, scholars kind of go back and forth. It's likely they were kind of these flowers uh, that were termed locusts. But he's got an interesting diet. He's got some interesting clothes. And he's hanging out in deserted places kind of weird. But he has a specific purpose in his life. 
I can imagine John, if he were in our community, maybe he was living in the woods behind the duck pond. And after church today, we would all go out to in front of the duck pond and, and hear him preach. And maybe some of us would be baptized in the crystal clear, running, beautiful, drinkable waters of the duck pond. And if you're not familiar with the duck pond, the duck pond is not, it's, it's a little bit murky right now, especially with the rains that we've had. But you get the picture, you get the picture. And here's the, the thing about John, we come to know in, in verses 5 and 6 of, of Matthew chapter 3. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. John, as weird as he was, as strange as he was, had a message to proclaim and people were drawn to it. Perhaps they were drawn to hear about that crazy preacher who's wearing some camel skin and eating some weird food, but they stayed for the message. We are drawn to those who tell us the truth when we cannot see it. John had a particular truth that the people did not, could not see for themselves, but through his articulation of the gospel came to a better understanding of what and who the kingdom of God is. And when they came, they were convicted. They were baptized, immersed. And as people confessed their sins, they were baptized. Question for you this morning as we're thinking through Scripture. Do you have someone in your life that can tell you things that you can't see? Someone to speak into your life, to help you navigate and see things from a different perspective and bring to mind and to sight different nuances that you might not pick up for yourself. That was John's role in this story, and I think a role that we can play for each other. But the focus we need to take today is on this idea of baptism. Baptism in the Christian community, for some of us, it's lost its kind of, its meaning. We're going to unpack that a little bit today, because we say baptism, and we think of what we regularly do up here, right? We've got a, a pool of water back here. Someone gets baptized. We had a baptism last night in Vespers. Praise the Lord. Congratulations to Inslee. But it's kind of got this... It's an untouchable term because it's, it's baggage and everything that comes along with it. But the true definition of baptism is simply to be immersed. And oftentimes, it's in water. And John sees a deep connection between the repentance from sin, the 180 degree turnaround, and an immersion in a body of water. For John, repentance was turning around. It's, it's switching directions, and baptism is immersion into a new way to live. And he calls out the religious leaders in verses 7 through 10 of Matthew chapter 3. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them, you brood of snakes. What a lovely descriptor of the religious, religious leaders, right? Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? He continues on. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to serve, sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. John's got some harsh words for the religious leaders. He's like, all right, you guys, you're, you're coming. You're, you're seeing this. Yeah, this is just theater for you. If you really wanted to follow in the way of Jesus and follow the way of God, 
you'd quit talking about all the good things that you do and actually do the good things that you espouse to do. And he tells them with some scathing words as well, your pedigree, you think you're born children of Abraham, that gets you nowhere in the kingdom of God. Because everybody that comes into the kingdom of God is reborn by the power of the Spirit. No fleshly birth on this earth can help you get to the kingdom. He says, God can make stones Abraham's sons, so who better are you to come into the kingdom of God? Nothing that we can do, our, our heritage, our religious affiliation will not save us. Even our actions won't save us because the religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were the Adventists if there were ever were Adventists at the time. They had it all together. And John says, no, you got to get, get your ducks in a row. You got to turn your life around. You've got to repent and recognize the sin that's in your life and turn towards Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, we have the most explicit definition of what baptism is. John says this, I baptize, I immerse with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much more greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize or immerse you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John says, I'm I'm baptizing you with water, those who repent of their sins, but you haven't seen anything yet. There's a day coming, one who is coming, who will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. To be baptized is to be immersed. John says, I'm immersing you with water for the repentance of your sins, but there's one coming who will immerse you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Baptism is being immersed into a new way of life. Water baptism symbolizes a new way to be human. Thought experiment for you. Imagine some afternoon, it wouldn't be this afternoon, but maybe this afternoon, you go swimming. And you go there with your friends. Maybe it's a pool, maybe it's a lake, maybe it's in the duck pond. I don't know if you want to grow a third arm. That's, that's all on you. Well, you go swimming. And your friends start jumping in the water and they're immersed inside of the water and you walk to the edge of the pool and you kind of daintily dip your toe in the end of the pool. And your friends are like, what are you doing? For some of us, it's like, I'm just warming up. You know, I'm just warming up to the the temperature of the water. But maybe you respond to them and say, I got a toe in the pool. I'm like, I'm swimming. I just got my toe in the pool and I'm swimming. Your friends are like, what in the world? (laughs) You're not swimming. You've just got your toe in the edge of the pool. And I think sometimes in our lives, we see Christianity as the pool that we walk up to and we dip our toes in for maybe an hour on Saturday morning and be like, ah, so refreshing. This is so amazing. I can't, this is, this is so wonderful. Okay, I'm good to go. Ready for the rest of the week. And what John makes clear through the words of Matthew is that baptism is an immersion into a new way to live. It's not just simply sticking your toes over the edge of the pool, but it's cannonballing in, diving in, swan diving, whatever you want it to be, into the way of Jesus. And that's represented by filling a pool full of water, being dunked underneath, being raised to walk in a new life. John gets serious for a moment. Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, talking about this one who is to come. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. The Holy Spirit comes when the fire comes. There's judgment that comes along with that. But it does not matter what you do. It matters who you are with. And who you are with determines what you 
do. If we are with Jesus, come what may, it does not matter, we're going to make it. This world may look difficult right now, but come what may, we are going to make it. Story continues on, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. I'm getting my chapters and verses mixed up this morning. Forgive me. Verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? It's a very interesting portion of scripture because Jesus, the sinless one, is coming to John to be baptized. And we've just seen that John is like, you've got to be baptized. And when you repent from your sins, there's some sin going involved and you're being immersed into a new way of life. And John's like, hold on. If there's anyone who should be baptizing, it should be you, Jesus, and you need to baptize me. You know, and I I think John is uh, from Johnson County. Do you know why? Because he had a keen sense of his own sin and depravity. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funnier on paper in my mind than it is today, but it's okay. But he says, you, my, by the way, my wife says, don't use that, don't use that. I did anyway. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You, the sinless Messiah, are asking me, a sinful human, for baptism. And here's Jesus' reply, his patient, humble reply in verse 15. In verse 15. But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. And so John agreed to baptize him. Here's the thing about Jesus' response. We'll, go, but we'll keep it on verse 15 for a moment. Here's the thing about Jesus' response. Jesus does not disagree with John. In fact, in the way that he replies and in the Greek, it makes it emphatic that Jesus agreed with John's logic, but he says there, there's something that we've got to do here. We must do what God ask. Jesus lived his life according to the will of God. He lived his life in obedience to God. And in a way, baptism was the way that Jesus was able to assume the role of God's plan. That Jesus would begin to take on that mantle of Messiah and Savior and set forth for us a new way to live. Baptism for Jesus was the marker of immersion totally and completely into his three and a half years of ministry before he would die on the cross. And in the same way, he asks us to follow in his example. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 say this. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. Remember, he was immersed inside of the water and he's brought back up out of the water. The heavens were opened up. Imagine this in your, moment, in your mind's eye. The heavens were opened up and he saw the spirit of God. We've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit the past couple weeks, descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. What a beautiful scene. Jesus has stepped and placed himself in the middle of God's will. He's immersed in the water, symbolizing that rebirth. Symbolizing for him that commission to follow in the way of God. And he's brought back up out of the water. And God shows up in one of the rare moments of Scripture where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are in the very same place. So here's the appeal for you today. God delighted in Jesus' commitment to following him. He says, that's my boy. 
That's my son. That's my guy. Is God delighted in you? That's a, that's a tough question. Is God delighted in you? And we can take that delight that God has in us and be like, oh, did I do everything right to make sure? What delights God is a heart that turn, that's turned toward him and ready to be immersed into a new way to live. Baptism is the marker of an immersed life. One that says, God, I am totally all in. No matter what's happened in the past, I am diving into your will and your plan for me. I want to die to self and to be raised to walk in a new life. Immersion in water symbolizes this immersed life. The immersed life is one lived in obedience to God, not by our power, but by God's grace. Baptism is not, oh, you've got to make sure that you cannonball into that tank up there before you make it to spend time with God up there. No. Baptism is simply a marker of you saying in your heart, I'm dedicated. I'm here, God. I want to be immersed in your love and your grace and to walk in your life. Baptism is the mark of commitment to God and to his kingdom. It's the beginning of new life. I'm going to give you a chance to respond this morning. Scan the QR code on the screen and check the box. Say, I want to be baptized. I'll get a notification. Our team will get a notification. We'll be in contact with you. May 1 is coming. By God's grace and mercy, I'm praying for baptisms. Nothing I keep track of. We're going to honor some people in a moment and dedicate them to their walking in a new way to live. But baptism is between you and God. Are you ready to immerse yourself into a new way to live? Immerse yourself and be raised to walk in a new life. Maybe tech isn't your thing this morning, and I get that. Come find me afterwards or come find anybody else that you saw on stage today. And we'd be happy to walk you through the steps of immersing yourself in water, symbolizing your immersion in a new way to live. So the question I leave you with this morning, what's holding you back from turning your life around? What a blessing. I am so excited for our new sermon series, Immersed. I myself have quite a few questions about baptism, and I'm really looking forward to dive even deeper into this subject and hopefully get some of those questions answered. Thank you so much for listening to this message, and I'm really excited to be able to sit down with Pastor Michael and my friend Ben Torres and really dig even deeper into baptism and this new series. Stay tuned for that. It will be coming up later this week. Have a blessed week and thank you for listening.